And now, for the show reflecting on classic radio, Hollywood 360, with your host, Carl Amari. You lost your magic. They knocked you off your game. Your Carlness went right out the window. What's with this Carlness? It's not even a, a real word. It's a conjunction, a preposition. It's a philosophy, a way of life. It's your name with miss attached to it. Bob, listen to me. If you'd have done what I asked you to and come in my dressing room before the show, you'd have known that you weren't supposed to come out here until I introduced you. Jack, I tried to get into your dressing room, but I didn't have a nickel. I understand you're pretty funny as a DJ, and comedy is a kind of hobby of mine. Well, well, actually, it's a little more than just a hobby. Reader's Digest is considering publishing two of my jokes. Really? Yeah. From Hollywood, it's time now for... Money Dollar. Leave the gun. Take the cannoli. Quiet, numbskulls. I'm broadcasting. Hello, everyone. I'm Carl Amari, and this is Hollywood 360, the radio show that presents the best in classic radio. This time, we'll visit London and the home of 221 B Baker Street for an episode of Sherlock Holmes from 1948. Then, it's part one of the premiere episode in the series, The Harold Lloyd Comedy Theater, hosted by Harold Lloyd and starring Robert Young and Claudette Colbert from 1944. But first, let me say hello to my co-host, Lisa Wolf. What's up, Lisa? Hi, Carl. Wow, you're back from Tel Aviv. I'm back. I'm ready for Hollywood 360, and it feels great to be back. We missed you last week. Thank you. I missed you, too. But you were uh, you were out there uh, visiting uh, family, right? I was, and we had a great trip, and it's time to come back and, and do a little uh, classic radio. That was a long flight, right? It really was. Wow. You didn't take your rocket ship? Yeah. I would have liked that. She took her private jet. Yeah. I had to take a 12-hour nap, but it, it all worked out. <laughs> wow. Well, glad to have you back, Lisa. Thank you. It's great to be here. We're going to start things off with the adventures of Sherlock Holmes. This was a mystery detective series. The character, of course, created by Sir Arthur Conan Doyle, came to NBC Radio in 1930. But by 1939, the great Basil Rathbone and Nigel Bruce were simultaneously starring in a popular series of Sherlock Holmes movies for Fox and later Universal, and they were the stars on the radio show. But by 1947, John Stanley and Alfred Shirley took over. Then John Gielgud and Sir Ralph Richardson took the roles as well. But right now, we have John Stanley and Alfred Shirley starring as Holmes and Watson in this program called The Complicated Poisoning of Eel Pie Island from June 6, 1948. Here's part one of the adventures of Sherlock Holmes. From New York City, the makers of Clippercraft Clothes for Men and 1036 leading retail stores from coast to coast present the world's most famous detective, Sherlock Holmes. <laughs> this week's adventure... The Case of the Complicated Poisoning at Eel Pie Island. Well, here it is, time for our weekly visit to Dr. Watson, but... Hello, his study's empty. Say, don't tell us the good doctor has forgotten his appointment. Certainly not. I'm out here on the terrace. Oh, yes, now we see him on the other side of the French door, stretched out in that deck chair. Come on out. Thank you. There's another for you, Mr. Harris. Make yourself comfortable and I'll divide a very superior sunset with you. <laughs> Fair enough, Doctor. Hello, what's this you've got on? Joseph's coat of many colors certainly couldn't rival that one, Doctor. 
Don't tell me that's one of Clippercraft's new sport jackets. <laughs> no. This is what we called a blazer in my younger days. Oh, yes. The sort of outfit Holmes and I used to wear punting on the Thames. As a matter of fact, my wife was going through an old trunk and ran across it the other day. Puts me in mind of the adventure of the poisoning at Eel Pie Island. A case at once violent and diabolically complicated. Yes, having decided to tell that story this afternoon, I appropriately donned the old blazer for the occasion, don't you know? Well, what does Mrs. Watson think of it? Oh, she's threatened to, to, to leave me if I step off the premises in it. <laughs> I see what she means, Doctor. It is a bit, shall we say, uh, spectacular? Oh, that's the trouble with the rising generation, Mr. Harris. No individuality. No dash, no style. How do you expect to impress the young ladies of your acquaintance on summer picnics or beach parties and boating expeditions? Well, by wearing Clippercraft sport coats, of course, Dr. Watson. Mm, yes, I, uh, I seem to have led with my chin that time. Oh, not at all. But now, back to the fatal poisoning on Eel Pie Island. Uh, the title sounds indigestible to begin with, Dr. Watson. Eel Pie Island. Look, is there really such a place? Oh, the ignorance of the man. If you'd ever been boating on the Thames, you'd know it well. Mm, yes, Eelpie Island lies in the prettiest stretch of the river between Richmond and Hampton Court. Furthermore, it has a very popular inn which is famous for its ale and its eel pie. Oh, naturally. Cold, refreshing mug of ale after a pull up the river in the hot sun and a delicious slice of cold eel pie. Mm. I could certainly go over the first item, Dr. Watson, but uh, I'm not quite so sure about the second. You know, Mr. Harris, that's exactly what Holmes said some 20 or so years ago. It was Sunday afternoon and Mary was expecting some relatives for tea. Noticing my agonized expression, she handed me this blazer and suggested Holmes and I go for our annual June boating expedition up the Thames. Consequently, four o'clock found us in a four-oared skip Risky coming past Ham House, the Jacobean seat of the Earl of Dysart back in 1610, of course. Oh, obviously. Yes, we were skimming. Holmes was as fresh as a daisy after Miles pull up from Richmond. <laughs> I'm afraid I, I had begun to melt. you back into it, Watson. Stroke. Stroke. Oh. Watson, that's the third time you've missed count. Stroke. Sorry, Holmes, my, my stomach keeps getting in the way. Huh. That's what comes of being a married man. Meals at regular hours. Nothing oh. to jolt you out of your rut. Oh, I was jolted out of it four years when I rejoined during the late war. I enjoy my rut, thank you. I, I don't wish to be. Jolted out of it again. You mean you don't ever miss the old Baker Street days? Uh, the excitement? The suspense? The danger? I enjoyed all in retrospect. I say, hold. That's Eel Pie Island up ahead. What do you say? We pull under those willows for a bit of a breather, eh? I don't need a breather. I wonder if the ale at the inn is as cool as I remember it. Brown... Tangy, I can just feel it trickling down my throat. Uh, and the eel pie. 
crustal, flaky, and tender. I have no interest whatever in eel, Watson. <clears throat> Nasty, slimy fish. Ugh. Besides, we're in duty bound to demolish the contents of the hamper Mrs. Watson prepared for us with such loving care. From the contents, I suspect she hoped we'd be gone a week. No, Watson. No eel pie. Stroke. Oh. Holmes, you unfeeling. However, I do think I could be interested in a mug of ale. Yes. Yes, Watson. They're right. Stroke. Thank God you have some human weaknesses. Ah, there we are, all tied up and shipshape. Watson, you unpack the hamper while I go for the ale. Oh, no, no, don't bother. I'll go. I, I want to stretch my leg. No, Watson, I'll go. I thought of it first. Oh, so you can have an extra mug while you're waiting. No, you don't. We'll both go for the ale. <laughs> Come along, then. Careful, you nearly landed in the river. Oh, it's these white trousers. They must have shrunk since last summer. <laughs> Can't go bounding about like a mountain chamois the way you do. <laughs> That's a perfect day. What is more charming than the Thames on a Sunday in June? The little boats filled with the flower of the countryside, the, the dainty parasols, the, the airy dresses, the, the lacy petticoats so coquettishly displayed. I thought you were supposed to be a woman hater. <laughs> I was admiring the scene quite impersonally, Watson, from the artist's viewpoint. Uh, I have artistic blood in my veins, you know, on my mother's side. Oh, Balderdash. Help! Help! I, I've been pardoned! Oh, did you hear that? Yes, it's a fat woman in the purple bombazine of the next punt. She's managed to terrify completely the little wispy man who's her escort. Walter, you fool! Get a doctor! You want me to die? I'm a doctor, madam. May I be of assistance? Oh, yes, please. Please help us. Uh, my sister thinks she's been poisoned. I know I've been poisoned. It's, it's in my tea. I just made us a nice pot of tea. It was quite all right, Minnie. I drank some too, you know. My cup wasn't all right. It tasted bitter. Then why did you drink it? I didn't. Just a mouthful. Oh, my stomach. The pain in my stomach. My neck felt stiff all day. Oh, 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 the pain in my stomach. Here's a, a diaphragm. It's contracting it. I shall want hot water. The tea kettle is still half full. I can light the spirit lamp. We haven't time. Salt. Have you some salt or mustard? We have both. Minnie always brings everything. Good. We shall have to give her a good emetic. Clean out her stomach. An emetic... Oh, I, 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 I won't take it. I, I won't, won't. Oh. Minnie, Minnie, go. Oh, good Lord. I'm having convulsions. Yes, Mark, up the top of us. They're green. Horrible green. The rhesus sardonicus, Watson. Chronic spasm. I'm afraid we're too late. Oh. Dear, I do wish the police or the coroner would get here. It seems so awful to leave poor Minnie stretched out in the boat. Oh, that dreadful grin on her poor dead face. If only she hadn't suffered so before she died. She was very fortunate, Mr... Mr... Uh, Weatherby. Walter Weatherby. Minnie was my sister. Miss Weatherby was very fortunate, Mr. Weatherby. She died remarkably fast, all things considered. If she'd been a younger, stronger woman, death might have been delayed for hours, even days. I take it she had high blood pressure and weak heart. Yes, sir. And diabetes, too. 
We all have it in our family. Uh, that is all but Robert. Oh? oh? Thank heaven she went quickly. I can't bear to see anyone suffer. I can't even bear to kill a fly. The only reason I keep that vermin killer in the potting shed is because the nasty things have been destroying my tulip bulbs, don't you know? Oh, so that's where the strychnine came from. What strychnine? The strychnine that made your sister's cup of tea taste so bitter. Of course, Holmes. That's what brought on those convulsions. Strychnine, they're quite typical. Were they, Watson? But of course. The gasping for breath, the protruding eyeballs, the rigidity and convulsions. Uh, but they couldn't have been any strychnine in the tea. Uh, I drank four cups myself. Tell me, Mr. Weatherby, did your sister have anything in her tea that you didn't share? Cream? A drop of rum? A bit of mint? No, no. Nothing like that. We both took it weak with a lot of milk. Oh, Minnie did have strychnine, of course. Uh, that is saccharine, I should say. Uh, I prefer to go without sweetening myself. Uh, we aren't allowed sugar, you know, uh, because of the diabetes. Saccharine, of course. She carried the pills in a box, a reticule? Oh, no, sir. Uh, she had a plain paper envelope. Uh, here it is on the floor of the pantry. Don't touch it. Don't touch it, I say. Oh, no, sir. Not if you say not. Hand it to me, Watson, with your handkerchief. Very well, Holmes. Hmm. Empty. She used up all the pills, I guess. And no wonder she had six cups of tea. Minnie did enjoy her afternoon tea. And she did enjoy all her meals. Poor Minnie. Holmes, sir, how do you account for the fact that the five previous cups were drunk without complications? Probably because only the sixth saccharine pill was poisonous and bitter. The shock of finding it poisoned, you know, to a woman with her heart, that certainly helped to bring on the convulsions. It was undoubtedly pure accident that pill was saved for the last. You say your sister suffered from diabetes, Mr. Weatherby. She doesn't look it. Oh, that's because my brother Robert took such good care of her, of all of us. He gives us injections of that new drug, insulin. They discovered it last year. It does wonders for people with diabetes, Mr. Holmes. My brother's been lecturing on it at all the medical schools all over England. By Jove, of course, your brother must be the famous Dr. Robert Weatherby. Obviously, Watson. Tell me, Mr. Weatherby, how long have you and your sister suffered from diabetes? Oh, uh, only about four months. Uh, my other sister, uh, Nellie, had it too. She died two months ago. She... Oh, dear, poor Nellie. She was really my favorite, you know. You've all gone for the incident to do much good, I suppose. Oh, no, sir. We None of us had any symptoms of diabetes before last year. I I did have my dizzy spells, of course, but we never thought it was anything like that. Oh, no. Thank heaven insulin was discovered in time for us. Not that it seems to have saved many... Or Nellie either. But surely you must realize that your sister didn't die of a diabetic seizure, Mr. Weatherby. Oh, no. Minnie went the same way as Nellie went, of poison. Uh, only, uh, I didn't do it. You, you must believe me. I didn't do it. Silly Holmes, hmm? here comes a boat. It's turning in here. Yes. It's the police launch. Oh, thank heaven for that. I, I thought they'd never get here. Hello there. Is this where has been a murder? <laughs> well, well, if it isn't our old friend, the bellowing beagle of Scotland Yard, Inspector Lestrade himself. <laughs> Welcome, Lestrade. Welcome aboard. We have quite a cargo for you to inspect. Hold. Uh, there. 
How in thunder did you get here? I am a bird of illumin, Lestrade. I'm attracted to a crime like a vulture to carrion. Oh, Holmes, really? Uh, so you admit it is a crime? Huh? A murder, Lestrade. A beautifully staged little murder. But look here. I, I didn't do it. I'm innocent. I, I wouldn't hurt a fly. Uh, oh, so it's Mr. Walter Weatherby again. And I suppose this is another sister you've done away with so you could inherit her share of the Weatherby mills? No, I didn't do it. I didn't hurt Nellie either. I swear I didn't. I know. You slipped through our fingers the last time. We had our suspicions right enough, but we couldn't prove anything. The jury thought you looked so meek and mild, butter wouldn't melt in your mouth, so they brought in a verdict of suicide. <laughs> And the poison was found in her cough medicine that time. Which poison, Lestrade? Strychnine, Holmes. Oh. What else gives people convulsions like the woman just had here, they tell me? This chap's got a potting shed of vermin killer all full of strychnine. But I've kept it locked up ever since Nellie killed herself. I carry the key with me. Hmm, interesting. Uh, we don't need any of your fancy deductions this time, Holmes. This time we caught him red-handed. There was no one in the boat but him and his sister. He gave her a cup of tea and it killed her. He gave her six cups of tea, Lestrade. Only the last one seems to have contained anything suspicious. There it is on top of the hamper, and still three quarters full. Oh, really? I'm surprised it didn't empty it out. I never tamper with clues, Lestrade. I merely point them out. It's up to you to draw your own conclusion. Well, don't worry. I've done that already. This Weatherby chap's guilty, and he won't wiggle out of it this time. Mm -hmm. By the way, Lestrade, what do you make of the wool scarf? wrapped around the victim's neck. It's a hot day, but Minnie's wearing a purple scarf. <laughs> Next, I suppose you'll tell me she wasn't poisoned, she was strangled. Oh, no, I, I wouldn't... I mean, I'm not strong enough. Minnie was suffering from a stiff neck. It came on this morning. Uh, Robert suggested that I take her out on the river to see if the sun would bake it out. Nevertheless, the scarf is significant, Lestrade, and the violent contractions of the diaphragm. Don't forget those. I suggest you have your best surgeon perform the autopsy. We won't need any autopsy if we find strychnine in that teacup. Oh, you'll find strychnine, Lestrade. Never fear. What makes you so sure? I tasted it, you know. I tasted it. Holmes, I, I don't know why you insisted on coming here. To present our condolences, of course. After all, we were in at the death, as you might say. Holmes, really? And to find out more about this new drug. What's it called? Oh, yes, insulin. Yes, I might have known it was your insatiable thirst for information that brought you. Not your humane instincts. Of all the cold-blooded... Shh, quiet, Watson. Someone's coming. Um, Mr. Holmes and Dr. Watson. Quite. The doctor will see you now. Uh, step this way, please. Oh, thank you. After you, Holmes. This was your idea. Well, well, Mr. Sherlock Holmes, this is indeed an honor. I'm indeed grateful for your efforts on my poor sister's behalf. My colleague, Dr. Watson, was the physician on the case, Dr. Weatherby. We, well, that is, uh, everything possible was done, you understand. I, I can't begin to express my regrets. Oh, please don't blame yourself, Doctor. I couldn't have done more for her myself, I'm sure. An overdose of strychnine is so violent and so sudden, don't you know? Then the autopsy showed strychnine. There was no autopsy necessary, Mr. Holmes. The contents of the teacup proved the case. And then, of course, when my brother confessed... Confessed? Yes. It seems he had one of his dizzy spells while my sister was drinking her tea and lay down in the boat for a moment. He must have been unconscious for several moments. 
At least he doesn't seem to remember what happened during that length of time. Of course, France. Somnambulistic. He must have administered the poison while in a semi-conscious condition. Yes, poor Walter. I've always known he subconsciously resented both his sisters. They were so big and robust. Walter was always rather frail. I suppose I should have had him committed after Nellie's death, but, well, somehow I couldn't persuade myself that he was really dangerous. I see. Would it shock you very much, Dr. Weatherby, if I were to assure you that your brother did not kill either of his sisters? But, Mr. Holmes, the evidence. The death struggle indicated strychnine. A strychnine was found in the teacup. He was the only person with her all afternoon. And then his confession. You can't get around that. I imagine your brother Walter takes rather easily to any form of suggestion, Dr. Weatherby. With your permission, I should like to have a talk with him. He's in Bow Street Jail, I understand. Uh, that's correct, Mr. Holmes. But I'm afraid you must postpone your interview until later in the day. And he's had time to recover from his insulin injection. He's already had it? Uh, no. As a matter of fact, I was just about to go around to the jail and give it to him. Splendid. We'll go with you. Dr. Watson is particularly anxious to learn this new technique of administering insulin. Oh, Holmes, really well, not. Some other time I shall be delighted. But what better time than the present? We promise not to discuss your sister's murder, Dr. Weatherby. But I understand, well, that is, uh, Scotland Yard is in charge of the case. Would they permit interference? Scotland Yard has learned it's always wise to allow me to interfere, Dr. Weatherby. It so frequently saves them from making fools of themselves. Let's break from Sherlock Holmes. More after these words. More Hollywood 360 after these important messages. And now back to Hollywood 360 with Carl Amari. Now back to the adventures of Sherlock Holmes. Right, this way, gentlemen, please. In here. Wait a moment till I unlock yourself. Step inside, please, gentlemen. Thank you. Well, Walter, we've come to see you. You remember us, Mr. Holmes and Dr. Watson? Oh. Oh, Robert. Robert. I, I didn't think you'd ever want to speak to me again. And, and these kind gentlemen, Robert, they did all that they could, Robert. Oh, it was too horrible the way she died. Easy, I old just... chap, easy. Oh, but how could I? Oh, my mind is all blurry. Everything is all confused. Yes, that's because you haven't had your insulin. That's right, Walter. Now you just wait till I fix the hypodermic. You'll feel better in no time after your injection. Uh, just sit down, Walter. Roll up your sleeve. Well, well, quite a little party we're having here this morning. They told me you'd crashed in again, Holmes. Morning, Lestrade. Well, if it's against the regulations, Inspector Lestrade, I mean, that was his idea, not mine. He assured me... Quite all right, Dr. Weatherby. Scotland Yard grumbles a good deal about Sherlock Holmes' interference, but we found out it's sometimes a good idea to let him rave. Many thanks, Lestrade. As a matter of fact, you came just in time. 
We are about to witness a very interesting demonstration. (laughs) An injection of insulin isn't as drastic as all that, Mr. Holmes. In a few years, thousands of people will be getting insulin daily, injecting it themselves in all probability. Now, hold out your arm, Walter. Then it's really quite harmless. I mean, even to a person not suffering from diabetes. Oh, yes, yes. It might accelerate the rate of metabolism slightly for a time, but nothing to worry about. Then Nellie's death and Minnie's death couldn't possibly have been caused by the injection you gave each of them the morning of the day in which they died. Good Lord, no. What a fantastic idea. Not so fantastic, Dr. Weatherby. I'm quite convinced that neither Minnie nor your brother here suffer from diabetes. Your sister Nellie, I didn't see, unfortunately. My dear Mr. Holmes, without a blood test, how can you possibly tell? I had the eye of the trained diagnostician, Dr. Weatherby. The tone of the skin was too healthy, particularly in Minnie's case. No. I suggest you were giving your brother and sister injections for a much more sinister reason, Doctor. But that's preposterous. Even if they proved not to be diabetic, insulin injections wouldn't harm them. I grant you all but the final injections were harmless, Doctor. Nonsense. My sister certainly didn't die from any injections I gave them. Death in both cases was later, much later. You're positive those injections were harmless? Positive. You wouldn't care to prove it by giving yourself the injection you've just prepared for your brother. Why, I... That is, if I do, I, I, I won't be able to give him his dose. I only have one with me. As you can see, Walter is near collapse. I won't be responsible if he doesn't get his insulin. I've prepared for that emergency, and Dr. Watson has brought along a small amount of the drug. I'm sure it'll suffice. Well, I... But, but this is really too ridiculous. Well, now, <clears throat> I'm not so sure. You say it won't hurt you to take that insulin. Go ahead and take it. Well, I, I know it sounds silly, but I've never had the nerve to give myself an injection. Oh, I'd be happy to oblige. No, no, Watson, let me. I'm quite good at it. And I don't want any accidents with the contents of that hypodermic. Now then, give it to me. Give it to me, I say. No, no, you can't make me. You can't. Stand back. Don't anyone touch that broken hypodermic or the fluid it contained. Good Lord. Why not? Unless I'm very much mistaken. It's a particularly deadly culture of tetanus bacteria. I'll just take a sample. Carefully. Between these glass slides. Now, Lestrade, if you'll tell the guard to bring the strongest carbolic acid he can find, I'd say we'll have this case just about washed up. Nice fellow that Robert Weatherby turned out to be, eh, Dr. Watson? But look, why the strychnine in the first sister's cough medicine and the second sister's teacup? Because the symptoms of tetanus poisoning and strychnine poisoning are so remarkably similar. Tetanus takes much longer, of course, to develop. Robert could be sure of being at a safe distance when the death occurred. Mm, Diabolical, I'd say. Yes. Holmes suspected tetanus when he heard of Minnie's stiff neck and noticed the contraction of the solar plexus. Those symptoms do not occur in strychnine poisoning. Of course, I should have noticed them too, but what with the presence of strychnine in the cup, it's so easy to jump to the wrong conclusions, which is what Robert Weatherby had counted on. Uh, But again, why did Dr. Weatherby plant the strychnine? To implicate his brother, who was known to have a quantity in his possession. Mm, Nothing like killing off the whole family in one fell swoop. Yes, and he would probably have gotten away with it if Sherlock Holmes hadn't happened along. Makers of Clipper Craft Clothes and 1,036 leading stores from coast to coast have brought you another in the new series of broadcasts featuring the world's most famous detective, 
Sherlock Holmes. Our stories are based upon the character Sherlock Holmes, created by Sir Arthur Conan Doyle. Sherlock Holmes is played by John Stanley, Dr. Watson by Alfred Shirley, and the dramatizations are by Edith Miser. Sherlock Holmes is produced and directed by Basil Lockram. Special music by Albert Berman. Be sure to listen next week to Sherlock Holmes in The Case of the Bleeding Chandelier. This is Cy Harris speaking for Clippercraft Clothes. This is a mutual broadcasting system. And that's The Adventures of Sherlock Holmes from June 6, 1948, with the complicated poisoning of Eel Pie Island, starring John Stanley and Alfred Shirley, as heard on the Mutual Broadcasting System. Before we tune in to the Harold Lloyd Comedy Theater, I want to remind all of our listeners about our surprise boxes. And Lisa Wolf will tell you all about them. Do we have some surprises in store for you? We have three great surprise boxes for you. The first one is Classic Radio on CD. The second one is Classic Movies and TV on DVD. And the third one is Twilight Zone Radio Dramas on CD. All of them with hundred over $150 worth of merchandise for only $39.99. This wow, is true, that's a pretty good deal. truly a great value. But most importantly, we put these boxes together with love, and we pack them with the best of the best and the highest quality, and we want to send these to you because we have them in the warehouse. And yeah. what better thing can we do they but send are them to, in our, the warehouse. to our listeners? Brand new product, and it's yours via surprise boxes. Now, how do you learn about these surprise boxes? Well, the best way is to go to our website at Hollywood360radio.com. There's a... There's a pop-up there. You yeah. can read about them. And if you have any questions, you could always uh, post on Facebook as well, and we'll answer your questions. Right. But we hope that you'll look into it. Three so, surprise yeah. boxes. Go to Hollywood360radio.com. Check out our pop-up and do order our surprise boxes. And you know what? Most people have been reordering them. They're so happy with all of the product they get. Check it out, hollywood 360 radiocom But right now, it's time for the Harold Lloyd Comedy Theater Now, this was a comedy series that came to radio in 1944 for one season over NBC. Now, the host was comedy star Harold Lloyd. These were comedy stories by top writers starring the biggest names from film and radio. People like Robert Young, Claudette Colbert, Fred Allen, Lucille Ball, Eve Arden, Burgess Meredith, Paulette Goddard, and many more. It was sponsored by Old Gold Cigarettes. And as I said, it only lasted one season. We have the very first episode in the series from October 29, 1944. This is called The Palm Beach Story, and it's hosted by Harold Lloyd and stars Robert Young and Claudette Colbert. Part one now of the Harold Lloyd Comedy Theater. From Hollywood, California, the makers of Old Gold present The Comedy Theater, the only radio program that brings you every week the greatest stars in the greatest comedies. Tonight, The Palm Beach Story, starring Claudette Colbert and Robert Young. And now we have the honor of introducing... Oh, I beg your pardon, Claudette. I thought that was in my script. Oh, that's quite all right, Bob. You've stolen my lines before. Oh, I'm terribly sorry, darling. It's just that my eyes, sometimes in this light... I know. You have double vision. That's right. Mm, I remember that time you tried to play both ends of the love scene and also the dog that was sitting on my lap. Well, now, wait a minute, will you? And then be the husband who came in and found us. Listen, I... Uh, Ladies and gentlemen... (laughs) 
Looks like I'll have to introduce myself. I'm... Oh, no, now you're almost as bad as Bob. Ladies and gentlemen, I have the greatest honor tonight of introducing to you for the first time on the air a man who has rocked the world with laughter, whose name is as familiar in Zanzibar as it is in Zanesville, Ohio. The inventor of the horn rim spectacle, the director and host of the Old Gold Comedy Theater. He was born a number of years ago oh, in the town... Oh, no, no, no. Excuse me, Claudette. Hmm? Uh, now, I appreciate what you're saying, but uh, I'm really not running for the presidency. Uh, ladies and gentlemen, I'm... Harold Lloyd. Uh, thank you. I'm delighted to be here, and thank you, Claudette. All right. Uh, now then, let's get down to business. Bob, in the uh, Palm Beach story, which we are doing tonight, you play Tom Jeffers. Claudette plays Jerry Jeffers. You and Claudette are married, very broke, and uh, having a little argument. Was well, that unusual? We find you at the beginning of the story, browbeating your wife, just because a nice old man gave your wife $700. Huh, did a nice old man ever give your wife $700? Uh, we'll disregard that. Uh, Claudette, as uh, Jerry Jeffers, what did you do with that $700? Now, uh, don't answer if you don't care to. Well, I paid the rent, and I paid the grocer and the insurance, and... Had my hair done and bought this gold lamé dress and had $14 left, which I saved for my husband. Isn't that wonderful? That's all very well, Jerry Jeffers, but there's just one little question you haven't answered. What question, Tom? Why? Why this alleged nice old man gave you $700? Oh, no reason. Is that so? No. He just... $700, just like that. <laughs> That's right. Oh, it was charming. You have no idea how it makes a girl feel to have a man say, here's my role, peel yourself off something nice. Is that so? <laughs> I uh, suppose sex didn't even enter into it. Oh, of course it did, darling. Hmm? No, I don't think he'd have given it to me if I had hair like Excelsior and little short legs like an alligator. This is very illuminating. Well, you don't have to get so rigid about it. It was all perfectly innocent. Yeah. He was just a very nice, kind, rich, generous old man. Where did you meet him? <laughs> You'll die when I tell you. <laughs> well, go ahead. Kill me. <laughs> uh, in the bathtub. <laughs> in the bathtub? Yes. Isn't that a scream? It's a yell. What were you doing in the bathtub? <clears throat> I was hiding from him. Hiding from him? What kind of games do you play around here when I'm out? <laughs> How much water was there in the tub? Well, I was standing in it, you idiot. Standing in it? In my pink negligee. What's the matter with you? Well, now, look, he was just a funny little old man the manager wanted to rent our apartment to. And as I wasn't dressed yet, I hid in the bathroom. Then he walked in. Some people have no sense of privacy. What did he do then? Take a bath? No, he was just terribly sorry to hear we were losing our apartment. He said he'd been young and broke, too, a long time ago. And then he gave me $700 and left. And that's all? <laughs> well, I, I did kiss him goodbye. In the bathtub? On the cheek. <laughs> I half expected him to sprout some wings and fly out the window. Yes, it does sound like a fairy tale. So you just tell me where this kind, rich, generous old man lives, and I'll take him back his $700 and thank him... In my own way. I don't know where he lives, darling. I don't know his name or anything about him. And I don't think they'd give the money back. I mean, the grocer and the butcher and the drugstore. And you really couldn't blame them after they'd waited so long. Well, that's right. Rub it in. Oh, I didn't mean to. But it's such a wonderful feeling to have all the bills paid and be able to look everybody in the eye. 
Mm, I like that feeling. It's like a fresh start now that we're all paid up. This is much too expensive for you, Tom, although I know you just wanted it to be nice for me. Where would we move to? Well, I wasn't thinking about me. I, I just meant you. Huh? Look, darling, I'm no good for you. Honestly, I can't cook or sew or whip up a little dress out of last year's window curtains. I'm just a millstone around your neck. Just when did you get this idea? This afternoon? No, I've, I've had it for a long time. Now, don't you see... By yourself, you could live in a little room somewhere or even move in with your brother and pay your bills and maybe even get ahead a little. Mm. Who would you be moving in with? Oh, well, that's no problem. You can always find a good provider if you don't care what he looks like. <laughs> I'm tired of being broke, darling. Oh, Jerry. Oh, no, no, no. Don't talk to me in that tone of voice. If you hadn't done it a long time ago, we wouldn't be in this mess. Jerry. What? Sit on my lap. No, no, no. Well? Sit on the arm of the chair, then. Very comfortable? Mm, take your arm away. Well, can't I just hold your hand? Oh, I have a feeling this is all going to end very badly. It's all going to end very well. I've got a man interested in my invention. He's already got $50,000. And if we can just raise the other 49... I know, but you... they never raise the other 49. And, and then they go away, and then you start looking for a new one. But I'm bound to crash through someday. But I don't want it someday. I want it now while I'm young and can still laugh and dance and enjoy myself. Oh, darling, I'm sorry to tell you this, but men don't get smarter as they grow older. They just lose their hair. Thanks. No, you don't have to thank me. I'm not being so nice. Don't you see? I could be so much more help to you as a sister. Oh, shut up. Now, as your sister, if anybody wanted to go out with me, I'd naturally... Shut up. You just aren't practical. And it take your arm away. Oh, Jerry. Oh, stop it. Darling, something has to be done. The, the terrible trouble with us is that we're in love. Every time I try to be sensible, you, you put your arm around me and breathe Jerry in my ear and my knees start to turn to water. And Jerry. I... Oh, shut up. Where are you going? Uh, going downstairs to see if they have any cigarettes. Well, I'll go for you. No, no, I'd like to get out of the apartment for a while. It, it smells too much of love. Well, <laughs> What are you taking your coat for? The, the, the lobby's a little drafty. Oh, then why don't you let me go down for you? No, I want to go by myself. Hello? Tom, I'm in the phone booth in the lobby. Oh, what's the matter? Didn't they have any cigarettes? I didn't come down for cigarettes. I, I lied to you. Huh? I'm sorry, I'm... Uh, darling, I'm going to leave you. I'm going to divorce you. But, Jerry, you can't get a divorce. They cost a lot of money. No, the next husband always pays for that. Oh, you have him all picked out, have you? Suppose I won't give you a divorce. Well, then, then I'll become an adventurous. Oh, you stop talking like an idiot. I can just see you starting for China in a rowboat. No, you're thinking of an adventurer, dear. An adventuress never goes on anything under 300 feet with a crew of 80. Jerry, for heaven's sake, please. Goodbye. <laughs> Oh, goodbye, darling. So, uh, Jerry Jeffers, you went to Palm Beach. How did you get there? It was really very simple. Any girl could tell you how to do it. You just stand in front of the gate marked Florida Special. You mean any pretty girl. <laughs> well, thanks. Hey, you're welcome. And uh, what do you say? You say you lost your ticket. And that your grandmother's dying of pneumonia, I suppose. To whom do you tell this whopper? I happened to tell it to the Ailen Quail Club, a group of rich millionaires who were going hunting. What were they hunting? Quail. Well, I could have guessed that. <laughs> well, frankly, yes. Uh, and did they treat you nicely? Well, I got there. Without mishap? Without my clothes. What? 
Now, look here, young lady. Oh, now, 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 will you stop misunderstanding me? I I just happened to be in the car ahead to get away from Sweet Adeline and a little shooting when the conductor got a little irritated and disconnected the car. Oh, so you were left on the train without any clothes. Yes, all I had was a suit of pajamas. (laughs) Oh, oh, well, (laughs) you had me a little worried there for a moment. And, uh... Then you met... John D. Hackensack of the third, the richest single young man in the world. What was he doing there? He was traveling in a lower berth. And how did you meet him? I stepped on his face. <laughs> Excellent. Excellent. Yes, sir. I've often wanted to myself. Well, he turned out to be a very nice young man. He bought me $38,000 worth of clothes in Jacksonville. Oh, he did, did he? Mm-hmm. And by the way, how did you know I'd gone to Palm Beach? Don't get off the subject. $38,000 worth of clothes. I thought those millionaires were very careful. He was. He wrote it all down in a little book. It was quite romantic, as a matter of fact. His yacht was beautiful. Oh, we're on a yacht now, are we? Yes, we yachted the last leg of the voyage. I suppose it was all very proper. Yes, he was a perfect gentleman. Yeah. Anyway, you're on the yacht with John D. Hackensack of the Third, who was no doubt gazing into your eyes. Tom, you have an evil mind. I told you, he was a perfect gentleman. everything you spend in that little book, Mr. Hackensack? Well, it, it isn't really as bad as it looks. It's just something I learned in childhood. It pleased my grandfather. I write it all down, but I, I, I never add it up. Oh. You know yachts are very dull. Yes, I can see what you mean. They are less dull, however, with you aboard. Well, thank you, Mr. Hackensack. Now, please don't misconstrue what I said. I assure you that I didn't mean anything in any way out of the way. Oh, I trust you, Mr. Hackensack. Your trust is not misplaced, Miss... Uh, Mrs. Uh, Miss Jeffers, Mrs. Geraldine Jeffers. Oh yes, what a beautiful name! Uh, you have left your husband, I take it. That's right. You know, I really don't approve of divorce. Oh well, isn't the Princess Gentamelia your sister? I was afraid you'd bring that up. Hasn't she been divorced five times? No, thrice. She was annulled twice. Oh, I'm sorry. <laughs> Did he beat you? Who? The brute you were married to. Oh, oh, not often. A drunkard, I presume. Uh, Not a congenital one or anything like that. Are you going to marry again or give up the whole distasteful idea? Oh, I might weaken again if I found the right man. I see. What would he be like? Well, just somebody who was reasonably well-to-do so that I could give Tom the $99,000 he needs for his airport. You see, after all, he fed me and clothed me and was very sweet to me. When he wasn't beating you? Huh? Oh, he didn't beat me very hard, just normally. And if I could give him a sort of going-away present, I'd feel better about the whole thing. I see. I'm not quite sure that you do, but... You're protecting this man again. What? He wishes to sell you for $99,000. The man is a vermin. Of all the filthy things I've ever heard of, he should be incarcerated. No court of law would even... How does he want it? In cash, I think, would be nice. So I won't stop the check. I understand. There is a name for such reptiles. Oh, I don't think he'll ever get it. It was just a kind of an no, idea. No, but I'll not sully the sweet ocean breeze by mentioning it. I'm not in the best of shape, but if I ever meet this Mr. $99,000 Jeffers, I'll thrash him within an inch of his life. Well, then I hope you'll never meet him. I suppose he's large. Well, he isn't small. <sighs> this is one of the tragedies of this life. The men most in need of beating up are always enormous. <laughs> That's the first portion of the Harold Lloyd Comedy Theater. More of Hollywood 360 after these words. More Hollywood 360 after these important messages. And now back to Hollywood 360 with Carl Amari. 
Next time, it's the conclusion to the Harold Lloyd Comedy Theater. Then it's the Cisco Kid. That's next time here on Hollywood 360. We'll see you then.